Welcome to Season 19, Episode 2, Powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. This week, we're going to do College Hockey Preview with Mike McMahon, the College Hockey Insider. So if you haven't read his Substack, it's awesome. He covers the entirety of college hockey, so it's a must-read for anybody in the hockey industry or fans out there. So even if you're working for an NHL team, you want to know what's going on in college hockey, follow Mike in his Substack, the College Hockey Insider. So, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And so we're going to have seven segments. We'll get through each conference. We'll talk about uh, players to watch. But right off the top, we have to talk about ECAC. I always go with the conference that won the national championship. So thank Quinnipiac for that. So in your estimation, you know, it's really early. Only a few of the ECAC teams have played some non-conference games. I think only three or four have already played one game. I think one game, one team played two. Um, thoughts on the overall conference? Because there's always some turnover, but you know, ECAC sometimes is underappreciated in some aspects of college hockey, but then they're so highly competitive too. And obviously, I'm not saying just because Quinnipiac won, but they always have some really strong teams. So taking a look at what's coming down the pipe this year, can Quinnipiac repeat? Can they do a repeat this year? Can Rand drag them to the national championships again? I, I think so. A lot's going to depend on, on the goaltending situation because they've got to figure that out with Peretz gone to, to an NHL deal with Carolina. That's some big shoes to fill. One of the yeah. best boys in the country. But, you know, they brought back some key players. When you bring back Colin Graff, who had whatever he had, 55 points last year, whatever it was, and a lot of those key players that they did bring back, I think that's a good nucleus to start with for sure. Uh, and I like some of the transfers they brought in. You know, they're like everybody else. They're, they're at a point right now where uh, they've lost some guys. They've added some guys. I think they're trying to figure out what they are. Uh, but you, they brought back a, a big chunk of players that won a national title last year. So they're right in conversation. I, I think, to me, they're the team to beat in the league, for sure. Yeah, just I look at it. I think, like, Quinnipiac has an identity, and they're going to play to that identity. And you as a player either conform or you don't, and you don't play. So it's that's just the way it is. And how can you say anything Otherwise, when you win a national championship and you've been that competitive for so long. So what about the other teams in the conference? Who do you think are sort of like the next in line to give a run at Quinnipiac? I think Cornell's right there. I mean, they're going to be, if not neck and neck with Quinnipiac, very close. I think they're the second best team in the league. And then after that, I think it's pretty wide open. It's kind of weird. I mean, usually it's it can be pretty well defined when we look at this preseason stuff, but Harvard, to me, is a giant mystery. Like, Harvard could be really good. Harvard's also going to be really young, and it could take them some time to get it moving a little bit. Uh, so they're, they're one that I think is a big question mark for me. Uh, and then, you know, there's other teams like St. Lawrence that brings back oh, almost everybody from their team last year that right. played well down the stretch. So, you know, they could be a team that, that rises up and makes some noise. Uh, I like the way Clarkson plays. I like the way they've played for a while. They remind me a lot of UMass Lowell. So they're a team that, again, if they put it all together – and they got good goaltending this weekend from Austin Roden, who's a transfer from Providence, split with Notre Dame, who should be one of the top teams in the country. They're a team that I think can make can can make some noise in the conference. Uh, and then I know I'm way higher on this team than than most people are, but I think that the 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 job that Josh Hogg's done at Union is making them look a lot like Clarkson looked. 
uh, right. in the way that that team was built. And they were a team that had a, a lot of young players that contributed last year. So uh, th- those are the teams that I kind of view as being in that that next group. Uh, and, and it's a, a big mystery to where it's going to go. Because like I said, Harvard, on paper, from talent alone, Looks Harvard good. should be right there. Yeah, they should be right there with Cornell. But there's so much turnover. There's so many new faces. There's you're, always a little young. bit of mystery on how that's yeah. going to go. Yeah, especially yeah. when you're dealing with younger players. Yeah, you get a lot of freshmen and sophomores on your team, and there's going to be some growing pains, particularly before Christmas. And then how do you reco- – if, if there is some stumbles, how do you recover after that? Like, talent can get you so far, but I think Quinnipiac showed it when you have an older team, um, a bigger team. I mean, older, not necessarily in terms of, you know, thinking of juniors and seniors, but isn't, you know, when your, you know, sophomore is already 21 years old, you know, and has played three years or four, three years of junior hockey, maybe in Canada or in the USHL, that's a huge difference between an eight-year-old kid coming out of prep school or high school hockey. Night and day. Yeah. Night and day. Right. I mean, you're talking about, it's literally men against boys. It's literally, I mean, it's literally what it is. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a big adjustment and you know, we'll talk about hockey's later on. They, they've got some younger guys in their league as well. Uh, but I, I look at just cause they're so close together and I don't want to get too far ahead, but Harvard and Boston college, Harvard's got a lot of younger players that are, are going to have to kind of figure it out as they go. You've got other teams like a BC that's got a lot of younger players, but younger players that have played together. So I think that helps that transition. Harvard doesn't really have that. They've got a bunch of younger guys that came in from different places that not only need to acclimate themselves to the difference of college hockey and playing against guys who could be, you're playing Quinnipiac, you're playing St. Lawrence, you could be playing guys that are that are five, six years older than you if you're an 18-year-old freshman. Uh, they got to acclimate themselves to that that new level of hockey and also just playing with new players. You know, If you're a freshman coming into a team and you're playing with a group you've never played with before, that takes some time to, to, to build that chemistry. So I think you're right. I think they're going to be experiencing some of those growing pains, particularly early. So Yale, Princeton, are they going to once again be near the bottom of this conference? They've had some challenges the last few years. And as much as I want to celebrate the 100th year, you know, Princeton's arena, which is a meat, like a wonderful cathedral of history and hockey. It's a meat locker. It's the coldest place I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life. And I've been in the Northwest Territories. Um, I love going there. I mean, I bundle up because otherwise you die and freeze to death. Um, <laughs> thoughts about that, actually, the celebration of being the 100th year of that building being open, which is monumental. Like, I don't think th- I don't think that's ever going to be broken ever. Nothing lasts that long anymore. No, I mean, there's really only two of them. I, I can, it's, it's that and Matthews Arena are like the yeah. two cathedrals yeah. uh, of college hockey. And they sure. do love going and, to both of them. They're great. Yeah. And you know what's great? Hobie Bay, uh, Baker Rings is, is a bucket list item for me. I've never been there. That's one of the few rinks in the, in the Northeast that I haven't been to. Uh, so it's it's a bucket list item for sure because I I want to I want to see it. I, just, I haven't had an opportunity to go there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's one of those buildings that it's it's you're not going to see that again because arenas now i mean we've seen pro arenas that are getting replaced every every 20 years right like we're just i don't think you're ever going to see something like like that 100 years i mean it's just it's those to me like those are the fun buildings to go to too you got to bundle up a little bit but the atmosphere can be good especially when their team's winning uh that that should be a lot of fun and then i know you, you brought up yale too yale's a team that again a historic rink you know for sure uh, they're a team that, you know, you look at them on paper and there's not a ton of skill there. Uh, at least there wasn't last year, 
but they play so hard. And, and it's why they won some games down the stretch. They got really good goaltending, and there were times in the second half especially, because they started really slow. Uh, I think at one point they had been shut out like three out of four games to start the year. But in the second half of the year, there were nights where they just flat out out-competed teams, and, and that's how they picked up their wins. And and now they were young too. So now you've got guys that are a little bit more experienced. They're a year older. They didn't lose a ton. Uh, I think they're a team that could start to, to make some moves in the league too just because they play so hard. If they play that way, they're going to find ways to win. Yeah, we didn't talk about Colgate or Dartmouth yet. Uh, thoughts on those two teams? They just seem to be every year. I think I've noticed for the last you know five or six years, they're kind of always in the mushy middle. They're good, mm-hmm. but not good enough to like overtake you know the three te- you know three or four teams that always seem to be. You know, Quinnipiac seems to always be up there in that respect, and Clarkson seems to be up there, and Harvard seems to be. Those three teams always seem to be in that top four all the time. And then I always find that, you know, Colgate, Dartmouth kind of being that they're kind of like the mushy middle teams of of that conference. Yeah, Colgate had a you know a really good run at the end of the year last year. Yep. Had the coaching change now and and they returned some key players. You know, they lost some too in the transfer portal, but returned some key players. Carter Gallander, the goaltender, is is the biggest one for sure. I think they're gonna lean on him a lot. They're gonna lean on him more than they lean on him last year, too, especially with a new staff that comes in. There's different systems that are going to put in place. That's another team that I think could could have some early season struggles just because of that turnover, and it's difficult to, to manage that early on in the year. Uh, and then Dartmouth is, you know, I, I feel like they're getting better, but they're a team in particular where it felt like COVID just killed them. You know, when, when the Ivy Leagues canceled that season, yeah. they lost a lot of players. They had a coaching change. Uh, Reed, Ka- I think Reed Cashman's a really good coach, and I think he's going to be able. And I think he's got a really good staff there too. That's going to start, and you've start to see it with some of the players you're recruiting. They're recruiting better players. It's going to take some time to get those guys in and get them involved and get them up to speed. Um, but they're a team that it feels like that that year off in the COVID year just it hurt them, and and it, and it was a setback that was not just like one step. It was multiple steps because they lost some players in the portal. They lost some momentum in recruiting. Uh, that is where I, I feel like they were really hit hard, and, they, and they're still trying to recover from it. They're not the only one, but they're, that, I think, has been the, the biggest story with Dartmouth. I think they just, they're just they still trying to climb out of that year where they lost the whole season, lost some players, some players that were key players too. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned for our college hockey preview right after this.